It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock MBA Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McCanty. This is the Punk Rock MBA Podcast, and today's episode is with an artist I am extremely excited about named Jarris Johnson. By the time that you hear this, his collab with Papa Roach should be out. They're redoing the Papa Roach song, Last Resort, and I've heard it, and it's fucking awesome. Now, the reason why I'm so excited about him is because, as you will find out after listening to this interview, like he is looking into the future. Like He's aggressively focused on doing something new and different that people have never heard before. Something that, of course, drops in the past because that's what people are familiar with, but ultimately takes them into the future. Like He says, I want to see what music looks like in 2030 and do that now. And although I don't think there's necessarily any inherent value in being original or different or being the first person to do anything, like that doesn't necessarily mean that the music is good. I am always interested in people who are trying to move the creative frontier forward, who are trying to do something different, especially when they do it well, which he does. The hooks that he writes are fucking incredible. Like he is just one of those rare freak talents like a Johnny Frank or like a Caleb Shomo who can kind of do it all. He can play every instrument very well. He's a great songwriter. He's very interesting and entertaining on social media. And these are the kind of people that catch my attention. So I didn't really know too much about him other than that he kind of blew up on TikTok by doing like a catchy top line over this banjo kind of beat that I'm going around. And then he got Chad Kroger from Nickelback to do a feature on a remix of that song. And he did all of that within the space of a few months. So he went from being just, you know, another anonymous nobody with zero TikTok followers to having a Chad Kroger feature in like six months. That's amazing. Like this is what everybody wants, right? This is the trajectory that everybody is looking for. Going from nobody to kind of being on the national or even global radar in a couple months. So we sat down to talk about exactly how he did it. And I was just super impressed about how thoughtful he is. You know, what I've realized is that a lot of these people, I guess we'll call them alternative rappers, but I wouldn't really say that's who he is. But whatever, we will use that word because I can't think of a better one. I've realized that a lot of people kind of play the persona of kind of a goofy stoner dumbass on social media. But when you actually talk to them, they're a lot smarter than you might think. 
Shinigami and Lil Aaron are two other good examples of that. And he's a sharp dude. So I'm not at all surprised to see that he's become as successful as he has. Like after you listen to this, it will be clear that he's very thoughtful and deliberate about everything he does. And I'm hoping that this becomes the first interview that he did before he blows the fuck up. We shall see, but that is what I hope happens. Before I get into this episode, I wanted to mention a few things you can do to support the show if you are so inclined. Number one, share it on social media, just Instagram, Facebook, whatever. We don't care. Just tag us, tag the guest. It really helps a lot. Second thing you can do if you are so inclined is to pick up some merch. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can also support us on Patreon if you really, really like the show. But before I get into it, I wanted to address a topic that a few people have asked me about which is how to think about a saturated market. So whether that is starting on TikTok or putting out a product in a category where there's already a lot of products, like say guitars, or starting a YouTube channel talking about a topic that is already discussed a lot, like video games or whatever, how should you think about this? Because a lot of people ask me like, hey, I've got an idea for this YouTube channel, but it's about gaming or whatever. There's already so many channels about this. Like, should I even do this or should I try to do something different Should I try to talk about something that no one else is talking about? Well, I have two thoughts on this. Three, actually. The first thing is what Gary Vaynerchuk has said before, that if you're good, there's always room for one more, no matter how saturated the category is. So that's the first thing to think about. Like, focus on being great more so than on what other people are doing. Because if you're good enough, you'll find an audience. Second thing is that it can be either good or bad. And I don't really think there was one answer to this. So there's two ways you could look at this. Number one, you could say, well, this market is so saturated that it's crowded and noisy and it's going to be very difficult for me to stand out among all the competitors. So again, to use an example of like a guitar company, there's already so many guitar companies out there that do kind of premium gent guitars. I'm not even going to try to compete there because it's so noisy. I'm going to try to do something different like say, basses. I'm gonna make the most high-end premium boutique bass brand in the world, which I think would be an entirely valid way to think about it. On the other hand, it could mean that the reason why nobody has done this kind of blue ocean idea, blue ocean is the word that people use to describe like unexplored territory where it's wide open and anybody could come in and start something. Maybe the reason why nobody has done that is because there isn't a lot of demand for it and nobody cares. So I think there's no one answer to that question. Either way, what you should do is concentrate on being great. Either one of those things can work though. I mean, for me, I would say that I kind of did a little bit of both. So I know on YouTube that there is a lot of interest in people talking about music, right? Because we can all think of commentary channels and review channels and, you know, whatever. We know that there's millions of people paying attention to music on YouTube. So in that sense, you could say that it was a crowded market that I went to with my channel. But on the other hand, there wasn't anybody talking about the specific kind of genres or subgenres that I talk about, at least not anybody, you know, with a big following, which I still think is weird. I mean, I still think it's strange that there's really nobody talking about like, you know, metalcore or whatever that has a sizable audience. Although I do want to shout out two people, two channels that I like a lot. If you like mine, you should check them out. Uh, Number one is the Cozy Representative. He focuses more on kind of the, I guess you would call like MySpace scene pop kind of stuff. Like he just put out 
uh, video about Forever the Sickest Kids that is an hour and a half long. He does these ridiculously detailed videos, like three-part series, and each part is an hour or an hour and a half long. So check his out if you're interested, the Cozy Representative. Really good stuff. The other person I want to shout out is Nate the Mate. He focuses more on, I guess you would call it like up-and-coming, smaller pop-punk bands, maybe the more like indie sort of side of things like hot mulligan and pop and that kind of thing he does a great job of covering that stuff which i like that stuff but it's not necessarily my cup of tea uh and i definitely don't know as much about it as he does so if you're interested in that kind of thing check out nate the mate he does great work and that's kind of exactly what i'm talking about both of them have i don't know exactly how many but tens of thousands of subscribers they're doing great they're growing their videos are really good so even though I talk about stuff that's similar to what they talk about, it's still not exactly the same as what they talk about. And so I think the answer to the question of how to approach a saturated market is don't worry about the fact that it's crowded. As long as you're doing something that is in some small way unique and you're good, then you will find an audience. And I don't think it matters at all how saturated it is. In fact, the fact that it's a saturated market only proves that there is demand for what you're doing, and that's a good thing. So I hope that helps for anybody who's thinking about that. But before we get into this episode, let me answer a few of your questions. From Dorian Wilson, will you talk about art and design in punk and hardcore slash metalcore, like how it all started, who influenced it, and how it changed throughout the years? Well, that's a big, 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 big topic. I mean, that's 40 years of history. Uh, and, you know, I don't really do history videos, so I probably wouldn't take that angle. But I will say that, you know, the thing about hardcore in particular, like I don't think metalcore art and design is really all that influential. I think punk and hardcore, the punk and hardcore aesthetic is extremely influential. And with hardcore in particular, it's interesting how, you know, it's not a popular form of music and never has been. It never will be like by design. You know, the intent of hardcore is to not be accessible. So, you know, that's not a bug. It's a feature. But the aesthetic is super influential. And you can see this, you know, the obvious example would be like rappers and pop stars, you know, and e-girls and stuff like that appropriating that aesthetic like a couple years ago when every rapper had like a punk jacket with studs and a DRI logo on the back or whatever that they didn't know what it was and uh you know that's kind of the obvious one or the you know the punk pants that people wear um but even beyond that you know like the uh you know there's like the X logo from like the New York hardcore logo that's the NYHC with an X in the middle and how you see like 500 like hipster coffee brunch spots in every city you know that there's like some some brunch spot in, in a suburb of kansas city that has that logo in their window and they don't even know that it's indirectly influenced by uh you know by hardcore and i i want to say that that came from like surfing but i'm not really sure but in any case the point is that you know the punk and hardcore aesthetic has been incredibly influential. As another example, just the cut and paste kind of look in general, like the Sex Pistols logo, you know, there's, I don't know, you go on defont.com, there's a ton of fonts that are inspired by that ransom note kind of look. And it's, I would say, because of the Sex Pistols logo as much as it is anything. So there's somebody using that font right now uh, in you know, the YouTube thumbnail or something like that. And they have no idea that it's from the Sex Pistols logo. And to me, that's, 
you know, I don't get upset when I see that. I think it's cool. Like if something has become influential to the point where people are using it without even knowing where they got it, like that tells me that this thing has truly become memetic in the original sense of the word. You know, a meme doesn't actually mean a, you know, image with a caption on it. A meme refers to like a viral idea. And I would say there's a lot of parts of, you know, punk and hardcore art and design that have become memetic. You know, the ransom note kind of aesthetic would be one example, or just mohawks in general. Everybody knows that the mohawk haircut, you know, represents rebellion. If you want a character to look edgy and, you know, you want them to, you know, you want to make it clear that this character says fuck you to authority, you give them a mohawk. And I know that's not exactly art and design, but it's aesthetic, you know, it's fashion. It's all part of the same thing to me. You know, that uh, a mohawk is just designing your own personal appearance the same way that you would design a flyer. So it's all the same to me. But, you know, that is a cool topic for a video that I should do. Uh, I would just, I would like to find a more kind of focused topic for it than just like the history of punk and hardcore design because that's just, that's too much. Like that would literally have to be like a Netflix series. But that is a good idea for a video and I should do something about it because it's a cool topic. And with that out of the way, let's get into this episode with Jarris Johnson. Jarris Johnson, welcome to the podcast. Yo, yo, yo. So you just got back from uh, Oregon. You're originally from, is it Medford? Almost, uh, Eugene. I'm from Eugene, which is like... That's the big city where, compared to Medford. Kind of, yeah. But funny enough, like I spent a ton of time in Medford because my old band used to play all of our shows in Southern Oregon, just like all in Medford because that's where like nobody had anything to do except for go to live shows. So that's where we fucking do live shows. So I've spent a lot of time in Medford. It's like a second home to me, you know, but no, nah, born and raised Eugene, the 541 PNW baby. Don't get dazzled by those big city lights in Eugene. I won't dude. The biggest lights in Eugene are the, are the ones at Autzen stadium. There you go. I was talking uh, about this earlier today with my wife and she said he's like the edgy Charlie Puth. How do you feel about that? What's funny is that she is not the only one that's ever said that. And it's like, I guess I like it. You know, I'll take it. I mean, he's fucking brilliant. So you could do a lot worse. He's a fucking genius. No doubt about it. Dude is a dude's got that perfect pitch. You know, he's always flexing on the on the TikTok. <laughs> yep. And um, I don't have that. but. I guess what I have that people are comparing that to is just like a pop sensibility to my stuff and also like the falsetto voice. So I was watching some of your TikToks earlier. You did one for like your PS5 giveaway a couple of weeks ago or whatever it was. You said it changed your life in the past couple months. So kind of wanted to talk about that. You know, I don't really know anything about you other than what is on your TikToks. I found you, I think through your teen spirit uh, cover a few months back on TikTok first. No, I think it was on YouTube. I'm not sure. Oh, so you saw the actual like YouTube video of it? I can't remember to be honest. I just remember the I just remember the song was I was like, okay, this is interesting. Damn is what made me you know really take notice more so than that. So, and I feel like probably a lot of people had a similar you know journey to discover you. So, can you just kind of walk us through the last few months and how TikTok has changed your life? Yeah, this year has obviously been interesting for everybody, but it's been also very interesting for me. It's kind of like in order to understand like 
the last few months, I kind of have to explain like the whole year or in a way, you know, and just like everything else sort of is like, I'm one of those like kids that has been doing music forever. Like literally since I, I knew like from a super young age, like music is my thing. I'm going to do music. I, I kind of discovered, I mean, I did sports like for a little while growing up, but my dad was a drummer and my mom was a singer and they met in bands. And, and so I kind of had like the music like gene in me or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And I picked up the drums at like age 12 or whatever and started going to these like rock band camps, which really like made me realize this is what I want to do, you know? Oh, I just want to do this. And so I, I kind of discovered that and I, I was like 12, 13 and I literally never looked back and I just went for it a hundred percent and never had a plan B, never did anything like that. You know, the saying is like, it takes 10 years to blow up overnight or whatever. Yeah. And for me, it's literally taken 10 years to blow up overnight. That phrase has become actually hundred percent true. Uh, so how old are you now? I'm 24. Okay. So it may basically more, more than yeah. like almost 11 years, essentially. But I was trying like with music from the age of 13. Like I had my band and we were playing shows. And I did that all throughout high school. And then everybody went off to college uh, except for me. And I was like, okay, well, I know I'm going to do music. So I got to figure that out. Started picking up Ableton and like trying to learn how to produce. And I knew I was good at writing pop songs. And like, I was just trying to like figure it all out. And it's taken me literally like, you know, six years from that, from the age of like 18 to 24 to kind of like get to where I'm at now. And then the whole year started, um, obviously like TikTok started really becoming like a thing towards the end of 2019, like in terms of at least my exposure to it, like everybody started talking about it and whatever. And so I downloaded it then. And then I started posting uh, like in 2020. And the first thing I did that went viral was a cover of the box uh, where me and my mom sang it and oh, I didn't see that it was a hundred percent a ploy to go viral and it worked like I knew I was like okay mom yo if we just like sing it I'll I'll like produce this little guitar thing and we'll, we'll sing it and we'll do harmonies and like I guarantee you it will go viral and how many followers did you have when you posted that like zero on TikTok and then I posted that and it went viral and it got like two million hits or whatever on TikTok wow in like not very long time like a couple of days whatever like it does on tiktok mm -hmm. and that jumped me up to like 50k and i was like oh okay like i got i got started like i'm started like i started getting some more instagram followers and like all that shit and then and then i kind of kept doing the covers of me and my mom because it was like okay it's working you know like we'll just do this we'll do that and like they never, none of them ever had the same level of like success. And I, I was going to say, I'm kind of amazed that you got a home run on your first try because that's not typically how it works on TikTok. Well, it wasn't really my first try. I was posting other TikToks before that, but that was the one that like, that was within like the first month of me, like month or okay. two of me posting yeah. on TikTok. I got that one. But even before TikTok, like I'd been posting things like trying to go viral, like on Twitter and Instagram and, you know, what YouTube and like I'd been trying for like years, you know, to go. So viral. you had posted hundreds of pieces of content before you got that box cover that really yeah, took off. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's it. But on TikTok, it looks like it was one of the, you know, first ones or whatever. So I posted that and that was like February of, of this year. 
and started kind of going down that rabbit hole with like the covers and stuff. And then was kind of like, okay, well, how do I transition this to like my real music? Cause like all the while I've been like kind of releasing like putting out music that um, I've, I've since wiped. Like, so if you go on my Spotify now, it's like all gone because it's just trash compared to <laughs> is, is it now. really trash though? Or is it just trash to you? I don't know because it's me, but it's trash to me. <laughs> and like, I just, and it's also just not even close to like the style, like the thing that happened, I'll kind of fast forward to, to the, to the damn TikTok, which was the next one that went viral. So basically I had this huge lull after the box thing where I was like trying and trying and trying for months and then just like, Oh, kept fading away. And then it's like the, I was like going through a clout withdrawal, you know, just <laughs> oh, hating life. Just, I'm oh, in the middle of one of those right now. Oh man, they're the worst, but I was going through one and I was like, man, I've been trying and trying and trying on TikTok and all this stuff. And then I, I started around the time when everybody was talking about like TikTok was going to get banned and stuff. I was like, good, ban it. Fuck it. Fuck TikTok. I hate it. Like everyone's getting famous on it and I'm not. And I'm just like, oh, this is so annoying. And then like my last ditch effort was like the damn TikTok. And I put, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to try something totally new, like totally new format, like a whole different thing. And I tried the damn TikTok, you know, I, posted it and then I like put my phone on like airplane mode and I was like all right just wait like don't look at your phone for like three hours because I thought maybe it would go viral like I was like this is pretty interesting like pretty cool so that that beat had been used in a bunch of viral stuff before is that right yeah yeah it, it was the banjo beat that was like yeah. circulating throughout TikTok but I hadn't seen anybody ever do anything like this to it which was like write a song to it or something you know so i was like people were just like doing dances and shit yeah people were just doing dances or whatever you know like yeah. um bella porch would do her little like head bob like face zoom thing and shit and so i was like okay you know what if i just like wrote a song to it and just like posted that and and see what happened and like i just kind of stumbled on something like sort of randomly like that style and that like tone of my voice and just like that flow and stuff was not really something that I was doing in my original music at the time, but for whatever reason, just like came, came to me like through that, doing that. And I posted that and I checked my phone like two hours later and I saw it had like 400,000 hits. I was like, yes, oh my God, it's going on. And then I was just glued to my phone for the like- TikTok gods love me again. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yes, the, the, the Chinese are letting right. me become famous again. And like all of a sudden it just started going nuts. And this one was like, different because it wasn't just like oh funny like kid and his mom like singing a rap song it was like it was like they were liking it because of me and right like, right they were finding me and so interesting because that's the double-edged sword with kind of some of these things like covers and silly viral things is like you get two million views but do they really care about you yes is it translating to like fan you know fans right, right. is it translating to people who actually give a fuck about you. And all the other prior things, it wasn't really translating, but this one translated. It felt different. It was just like, people just like, I don't know, something about it just like clicked. And then I was like, oh boy, I've, I've got it now. And that that just ran up the number. So in like, you know, three or four days, it had like three, three or four million hits or something. And I was like, oh man, this is like, this is gonna move the needle on some level. And that ballooned me up to like 200K uh followers there and then i started posting like not and i was like boom this idea this like little remix 
this cover thing. And then like the teen spirit one was the next one I posted that like went really viral and everybody wanted the full version. So I went and made a full version. I put it on YouTube and then just, it just kind of started this snowball like cascade of just everything. And then we were able to put out damn like the full song. And then that ran up the numbers. It got like number one on the, on the rock charts for like the first three days it was up. And like, we put it as rock because we're like, screw it. Like I'm yeah. a rock like I'm going to be a rock artist. So like what's interesting is that like that's totally not a rock song per se, but it makes sense to put it in the rock category. And I think that's an interesting thing that's happening in music right now is that like it's more about like the vibe of rock than the sound of rock necessarily that makes it rock. You know what I mean? Like what? Elvis Presley was rock right. or some, some right. shit like that. But that doesn't sound like rock. That doesn't sound like rock as we know it or whatever. So it's just Right. Rock is, is really an energy to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, it's, it's an energy. And that is, this is something I've become very passionate about, like over the, over the past, like six months, I'd say it's like really wanting to, cause growing up, like being in metal bands, and like listening to like tons of rock and metal and shit, it just feels like the redheaded stepchild that got left behind or something. Yeah. Like in the two thousands, it was like the coolest genre of music. It was like dominating the charts, you know, yeah. like, rock and butt rock and like all this shit was like the coolest shit it was like the most popular and it was dominating a lot of the charts back then and then after that phase you know of it having all that energy it just has never ever been like that again it's never had a resurgence it's never it just feels stuck in the mud you know like i was watching i was watching your your butt rock video yesterday and you're you're talking about how every song on like the radio stations, the rock radio stations is the same ones from 20 years ago. And it's totally true. It is. And like, what happened? You know, like it was, it was the type of music like that was on the forefront of like, kind of just like pushing the boundaries and shit. And then it just stopped. And part of that I think is because people aren't trying to write hits, which is part of what made me take notice of what you're doing is like the shit you write sounds like it could be a hit. Good. You know what I mean? And I and I feel like bands now, it's almost like a dirty word. Like people would look at you sideways if you said, well, this one might be a hit. Yeah. Well, you know, that's a shitty fucking attitude. But you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I totally know what you mean. It, it It is like a, it's like a taboo or something like that. Right. It's hard to describe what's happened. You think Nikki Six ever fucking felt bad about writing a hit? Of course not. No, of course not. Apologized for it? Literally name anyone from those from the, that era or any of the songs that I like remix or remake on my TikToks and put my own spin on, those are all hit songs. You know, those are all hits from that era. And like, for one, I I fell in love with like trying to write pop music for like from the age of 18 to like, so I went, was doing metal and stuff. And then I transitioned into like trying to make pop. And I was like trying to make pop from like 18 to like 23 ish. And only this year have I really discovered how to like blend my roots and like being super creative and like making crazy art and that mm-hmm. I want to make and that I think is cool with still writing the shit that I have fun writing, which happens to be really catchy and simple and like, you know, like a hook or whatever. Like, I love that shit. I love the, I love doing that. And it's just what comes naturally to me in like my ear, you know, or whatever, like my melody is just like, I just, that's just what I gravitate towards. It's just that type of thing. So it's important to me to like 
make everything like catchy and good and like simple. And I just want to bring rock into the fucking future, man. Like I want to, I want to make it sound like it came from 2030. <laughs> I promise you that you'll never hear a Jarrah song that is just like drums and guitar ever. I always want to make like rock, but I want to change like the definition or like help push that whole thing forward. And I think there's this, I feel this energy like brewing right now. Mm -hmm. where like, okay, people have done like MGK who we've talked about a bunch this year and whatever, like the whole pop punk thing and the emo thing. And like, that's had its resurgence in like being cool, you yeah. know, but like, rock still kind of hasn't people yet. People are totally ready for it though. People are so ready, man. And it's- They want it. I'm feeling it bubbling right now. This like sense. And it just, it's gonna take, it's gonna take something that feels like nothing you've heard before to do it. Mm -hmm. But it's still like catchy and like, you know, accessible and all that shit. And that is like my goal and like my, my, my purpose in life is to push- music forward and like make a huge impact on this genre that I have loved for my entire life and just help, help usher in a new generation of it. I think you got a shot at it. <laughs> I mean it, man. I, your songs are fucking great. And you know, and, and I, I'm very jaded, but I think your shit is fucking incredible. Thank you. Let's talk about some of these collabs that you've been doing. So the Chad Kroger feature <laughs> on damn tell us tell us about that how did that happen yeah dude so basically you know when the damn tiktok went viral or like anytime you go viral or like something i've realized about quote-unquote fame you know uh now that i've observed all this for like the past couple of months is like you really re learn to realize who people think you look like and sound like and remind them of oh you're you're like chad kroger with aids <laughs> yeah yeah they're always trying to reach for like something that's they're familiar with or something to compare you to and i got so many chad kroger comparisons and that was something i have literally never thought about in my entire fucking life that <laughs> i would compare to fucking chad kroger or nickelback or anything like that and half the comments on that damn tiktok were like chad kroger comments so i was like you know what would be fucking incredible is if we got a Nickelback feature on the remix. You know, from from all this happening, I signed a deal with I'm I'm signed to 300, and I uh, my A and R like this was kind of right after Damn happened, and like you know once I once the day I released Damn like the full song on Spotify, every label called me. I'm like, sure. Every single label called me that day. I was on the phone for like the entire weekend, like just constantly talking to everybody, everybody, everybody. Were you expecting that to happen? Not really. I mean, I was, ex I knew that they were going to all start coming out of the woodwork because of what I was doing on TikTok and how many yeah. calls I was getting and like just how much noise I was making. But like, I didn't realize that they were just waiting for me to drop damn. Like it was like, they all knew about me and like had my number, you know? And then, and then as soon as I actually dropped the song, I was like, Hey, look, I'm a real artist. That's weird. I wonder, I wonder why that would be the thing that they're waiting for, but whatever. I literally have no idea, but the day I dropped damn on Spotify was the day that everybody called. So, you know, from that whole, from all that chaos. So there's a lesson there for people is put shit out. Yeah. I mean, uh, like the thing is TikTok is fucking amazing and it's blowing up a lot of artist careers, including mine, you know, but 
it's also like labels are and p- music industry people a lot of them are not stupid <laughs> like a lot of them know the difference between like just a tiktok kid and like a real mm-hmm. you know what i mean so they're looking for people to prove that they're a real artist with something to say and like you know people with people who care about them like a fan and who has their shit together enough to get a song on spotify which is not the hardest thing in the world but there's a lot of people who can't even do that no totally yeah you gotta get art you gotta drop it you know we dropped it with a video and the thing you know just like so we were you know showing that like hey so you did the video and all that stuff before you were signed the lyric video yes which is the one that's like i mean this just in the studio is like really diy one after like we dropped the official music video like a month got it okay i ended up signing signing a, a deal with 300 and then um, my A&R, who I love, I just approached him about the idea of like a Nickelback feature on the remix. Like, yo, is this even possible? Like, I don't even know if it's possible. <laughs> and he was like, I love it. I love it. And they just went out and hustled and got a hold of him and made it happen. And yeah, he was just down to do it. He really liked the song and he thought I was entertaining. <laughs> and like, he was just like, cool. And so I I wrote him his verse. Like, he asked me to just write write the verse for him because he was uh-huh. like, I don't know on this thing yeah. so I was like all right I'll just write all right I'll just write it right he ended up tweaking like some of the lyrics and stuff which I was super down for yeah and then he cut the vocal got it back and I was like oh my god I can't believe I got <laughs> like I can't believe this is real it's like when you actually get the we transfer link or something and you're like oh my god and you download it and you're like holy fuck I have a fucking Chad Kroger vocal track yeah dude just listening to the acapella I was like this is literally the guy who shaped like a part of my childhood you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I'm in a song with him. I re- Even if it's just a remix or whatever, I was just like, wow, what a fucking honor. And, and I was just like, you know, this is just the type of shit that I want to do. Like, just pull from, like, all, pull from this forgotten sort of hated mm-hmm. era and just go, no, like this shit was fire. It's kind of like getting an endorsement from him feels like a passing on of the torch in a way. Totally. You know what I mean? And like, it just was really special. It reminds me of when new metal became cool again around like 2011 or 12 and like suicide silence had corn on their album. And that was sort of when it was like the same sort of thing of like the old guard, like passing the torch a bit and the young kids saying like, Hey man, this, this stuff was cool. You know, we, we respect it. And, yeah. you know, it, it feels like the same thing is happening now with butt rock. And uh, as I called your music, butt trap. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I cannot believe I, I saw that tweet and I was like, this man just like you just discovered my secret. <laughs> you just like told the world my my secret that I've been stashed away you know, for like a few months now. It's okay. This is what I do. <laughs> I know, but you're, dude, you're, you're smart. You're, you're always like on it with the predicting of the future. Like you, you, have, you have a good mind for like understanding the tide. Pattern recognition. Yeah. So you have another collab coming up. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. Papa Roach, baby. Papa Ro- the goat. Yes. A band that who is very smart, by the way, and for anybody who doesn't know, they keep their ear to the street. Like they're not one of these like disconnected old fart bands that isn't paying attention. They're paying attention to what's going on. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that they're working with you. What we're about to do to the beginning of 2021 is the testament to that statement. Like for one, I posted the remix and this one, this one is like a much bigger deal to me than the Nickelback one, just because of the 
like interaction and like relationship I, I've built with them now. A little bit more of a, a true collaboration than just like a feature. Exactly. Yes, exactly. This was like, you know, I posted my, I thought, okay, it'd be cool to like do, you know, put my spin on last resort and, and put it on TikTok and see what happens. I did. And then it went viral. And then like, you know, really quickly, like two days after I posted it, the guitar player of Pop Roach DM'd me on Instagram was like, yo, that was fire. <laughs> like That was really good. And then I was like, oh my God, dude, like, thank you. That, that's fucking awesome. Like, so, so good. And then we started just like kind of going back and forth. And I was kind of like, you know, I wonder, I wonder if I could just like get in a room with them and like, just do a TikTok or something, you know, just like, I don't know, just hang, like just yeah. meet them, like tell them thank you for like liking it, you know, and just like, I don't know, just like talk, just hang out with them. And sure enough, they were like down in LA working at the studio on their new album, like a week after, like a week or two after I posted it. And they invited me over and I met them and like, they were just so nice, like just the coolest guys. And, you know, as we were getting to know each other, we kind of were like, yo, like, you know, should we like maybe like release this with you or something? <laughs> and I was like, if you want so they're like oh, <laughs> yes super, they're like well i mean it's just going crazy viral and everyone's asking for like the release everyone's asking to like put it out like you know do you maybe want to or do you want to do a remix like what, what are you thinking i was like honestly in a perfect world like we would do something like together <laughs> you know and they're like yeah cool were you nervous to ask not really because like at that point we were vibing like so well you know it's just like i was uh, hanging out with jacoby mainly the singer and, um, and we were just like getting along really well. Like we were just super connecting and like, so you could kind of tell that the door was open. I could kind of tell, like, just by the way, the conversation was going on. It's like, okay, they like me, you know, like they're, yeah. they're probably down for maybe doing something or at least giving me permission to like release it or do something. So then we, we kind of devised a plan, like, all right, let's film this little like TikTok, this like teaser TikTok and just like, see how it, see how it reacts and responds. So then I filmed the one of like me and Jacoby in the studio and then posted that. And that one went crazy viral. That one went double as viral as the original one did. And that was just us like dancing around in the studio and just like kind of singing to the camera, you know? Yeah. And then it was very clear that on, on everybody on their team, everybody on my team, everyone was like, okay, we're doing this. Like we are releasing this. Let's, let's make it. So then I got to work with my co-producer and we started like producing the whole rest of the song. And like, cause all I had, all I had was like that 50 second, you know, clip. I didn't make a full song or anything. Right. I just had so we made the full like track and I like, started writing the second verse. We brought Jacoby in, had him over to our studio, had him cut all new vocals, like everything. And then, you know, now we're sitting on like this finished project of this crazy, like remake <laughs> of, one of the biggest hit songs ever, <laughs> you know, just like ever. And like, I had a moment where it was like kind of a realization of like the weight and the magnitude of like what, what was happening. Like, oh my God, we're about to release like a remake of one of the most impactful songs ever. And like out of all people on planet earth, they asked me to do it. <laughs> I mean, that's their, that's their song, you know, that is, that, that's the one that made them, I mean, they have other hits, but like, that's the one. That's the one. I mean, their Spotify is like, what? I mean, dude, that song, even though it came out 20 years ago, way before Spotify, that song has like 600 million streams on Spotify. Right. 
dude, I mean like crazy smash hit of a song. And it's like kind of in like meme culture now and shit also mm -hmm. like, it's just like, it's, it's a perfect song to take into a new era and like remake for like a new generation. And we're gonna see if we can fucking make it a hit again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're gonna see if we can make it a hit again. And it's like, you know, honestly like our, this new version is it's not, it is not like the original version, you know, it is definitely. Is, is this the one that I've heard? I send it to you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's not a cover. It's not a cover. It's, it's definitely like its own song for sure. We'll see what happens. <laughs> and I'm just really excited about that because it's just the idea of like, it's, it's that continuation of what I was saying with the Nickelback thing, just that passing on of the torch and that kind of like, bringing this forgotten and like sort of hated on era and aesthetic of music and, and pushing it forward into like a whole new thing to where it sounds like not really, it just sounds like something you haven't heard before. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way. So tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning. So welcome aboard. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. Well, I have some some questions for you, like kind of digging deeper into how you did this. But first, I have to make a suggestion. 
all I ask, you know, I've been, I've been saying this for a few months, but I, I, you got to bring back the affliction drip. I feel like it's perfect for you. (laughs) Like the, the big stitch boot cut jeans with the bedazzled dragon on the back and an in flames shirt. Way ahead of you, bro. I, I have, I literally, before we got on this zoom call, just ordered like, like $500 worth of like (laughs) fucking like tap out and like, you know, Walmart, like, dude, I'm going to go. I think it's such a funny like blend. And honestly, leather wrist cuffs. Yeah, dude. You need leather wrist cuffs. It was honestly kind of fucking sick back in the day. Like just those crazy patterns and like crazy designs. And like, it's going to be sick again. Like I will make that shit cool as fuck. I've been looking for somebody, you know, it's like, you know how like in the uh, fantasy movies, everyone tries to pull the sword out of the stone, but they can't because they're not the chosen one. You know, <laughs> it, it's that except it's an affliction, sh- an affliction sword. And I've been looking for somebody who could pull it out of the stone. But I, I feel like you may be the chosen one. Yes, I am, baby. Sword gang. You know, it's funny that you mentioned swords. <laughs> they're, they're kind of my thing, you know. I got I got this fucking um, sword shit going on. I got my sword earrings, baby. I got my sword necklace. You know, my name, the name Jerris, my birth name. But this is not a stage name. It means holder of the mighty sword. I feel like anybody could say that about their name, though. You know, it's like, uh, well, my name is Marcus, <laughs> and you know, in uh, ancient, you know, Gaelic, that means the holder of the sword. Yeah, well, fuck that because that's a they're a poser. <laughs> When, when someone tells you what their name is, it's never something lame or like, you know, like Adam Carolla would talk about how when someone like does astrology and there's like, oh, I, you know, my my uh, ancient ancestor spirit spoke to me. And it's always like they were a king or a queen. It's never like oh, I was just some guy that like worked at a stable, you know, broke his leg and died when he was like 28. You know, to be honest, it's just um, my parents just found my name in a name book and they said that's what the name book said. So fuck if I know if it actually means that throughout history. It was the sword gods speaking to them that guided their hand to that page <laughs> in the book, though. Yeah, you know. That's what they don't know. I mean, I, you know, who knows? Like, I, I, I don't know exactly what my origins are. You know, I've always felt I was, I was from a different place, you know, than Earth. And like, you know, I do feel like I am the, I am the chosen one in a lot of ways. And like, not even in like, a, not even in any, any kind of a bad way, but just like, Literally, I've just always felt so different. And like, I guess every artist feels that way. Like every artist feels like a fucking, I'm so special. Like I'm so different and weird, but like. Well, I think special and different, those are not exactly the same thing. You know what I mean? Like special is good. Feeling special is one thing. Feeling different is not necessarily a good feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been a mixed bag for me. I don't know. I've really liked it and some sometimes and then like obviously just like when you're young and shit like it's not it's good really fun to, it's really fun to be different when you're fucking famous <laughs> yeah but when you're the weirdo yeah because then you're not weird then you're just fucking cool you know so it's like now that I have a million followers and shit I can be as weird as I fucking want to and it doesn't even matter right but if I was to be that in high school like I wasn't weird in high school I was pretty normal honestly but just like you know, I wasn't cool or anything. I never, I wasn't like a cool kid. I was never like a, 
popular or any type, anything like that. Like if Nikki Six walks into 7-Eleven right now acting like Nikki Six, you're like, damn, that's Nikki Six. But <laughs> if he was the same guy, except he played in a local band, you'd be yeah. like, oh, fuck, man, that guy is sad. Cringe. Yeah. Gross. It's funny how double standard like that, but you know, it's like, I don't know, man. I just like, so, something that you, something that you uh, nail on a lot in your videos and shit, which is like, being an entertainer and that is something that's really clicked for me and like it's something i it's something i totally understood back when i had my band like and i was a fucking teenager and like we used to put on crazy shows and i would wear the weirdest shit and like we'd be breaking guitars i'd be standing up and playing the drums and i'd be fucking just lose, like head like headbutting my cymbals and shit and just i just knew like I mean, it was just fun to do, but also I knew that people wanted that fucking show. And like, I knew I needed to stand out. But like, when I took that detour to like trying to make pop music, I had sort of lost that like part of myself. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd lost that like freak show part of myself. And then as I've gotten older and like just more comfortable with like who I am and just like what I have to say, like artistically, you know, I've just become more and more in tune with like people just want, especially this year, People are looking for anything to fucking distract themselves. Yeah. People are looking for any shit that just grabs your attention. And you literally have to do that. You have to be interesting. You have to be fucking captivating to people. You cannot just, it is not, unfortunately, it is not good enough anymore to just like shred or some shit. Like, Unless you were the most insane shredder the planet has ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, like, if you were literally, it's, if it's just a spectacle to watch you play that you're that insane, like that works. But anything short of that is like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but there's literally ten people that are like that. Exactly, you know? exactly. It's Unless like, you're one of those ten, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And you probably aren't. So you're gonna have to figure out a way to fucking what what you're bringing to the fucking table in terms of, you know, just like what makes you fucking captivating? Why do people, cause something I learned young about life was that nobody gives a fuck about you yep. at all. So, and, and like, we're hardwired that way. We're hardwired to give a fuck about ourselves and really at the end of the day, not very many other people. We give a fuck about like our family and our friends as a byproduct, kind of. <laughs> as, a, as a byproduct of giving a fuck. <laughs> right. Because we don't want to, because they add value to our lives and we don't want to lose that. It's like evolution. Like we need somebody to help us go pick berries. Yeah, exactly. So of course we like love them or want or care about them or want them to like survive or something because, yeah. you know, you it, it helps you. So at the end of the day, we're all just selfish as fuck, of course. I'll be the first to admit that, like whatever. And, you know, I realized that, okay, well, if nobody in the world gives a fuck about me, then how do I get people to give a fuck about me? <laughs> yep. you know, like, how do all these artists get people to give a fuck about them? Because humans are intrinsically wired to not give a fuck about anybody else. So you have to sort of invade their lives and invade their mind in such a way that makes them like pay attention to you or care about you. Whether that's with incredible music or drama or being funny or just being weird or whatever the fuck it is like you just have to or all of the above yeah you have to live in people's heads rent free like yep. you just fucking have to and the greatest artists throughout time no matter if they're painters or fucking influencers or musicians or whatever the greatest artists of all time got people 
talking about them. They were captivating. Nobody just sat in their room making their thing and sort of put it out on the table like, oh, hey, you know, if you want to check this out, that'd be cool. But if you don't, you know, whatever. Yeah. Nobody, nobody throughout all of history. Like, you know, it just the people who had the biggest fucking impact were the ones that everybody was talking about and everybody was most polarized. And like going back to the whole like, you know, butt rock and like that era of music and everything like being hated on. I was like, you know. Nickelback is quote unquote one of the most hated like bands ever, but like they're also one of only like 20 mu- music artists in history to go multi diamond. Oh, Jesus. Dude, they're like <laughs> basically the most successful you could ever be, ever. Like they're up there with Michael Jackson, Taylor Mariah Swift, Carey or something. Mariah Carey. Yeah. Like, dude, it's like the biggest, highest selling artist ever and they are right there in that like top 10 top 20 whatever and they're like you know quote unquote super hater or whatever it's just it's obvious this is something people talk about all the time and i think people know this now but just like being polarizing and being hated is just a sign that you are interesting and just doing yep. something striking a nerve you know and that is something that was also evident with like my, my damn tiktok which is all the fucking like just that kind of hater hater fucking comments that i got on that shit and just like which you've turned into content. Which I've turned into content, yes. And just like, you know, it's just, I've never ever felt bad by a, by a hater comment because I just know that like, it just means I'm totally doing the right thing. What feels fucking bad is when they don't care. Yeah, yeah. You won't survive. Like the internet is, the internet and TikTok and whatever. Well, how many fucking people are on TikTok now? A billion or something, so, you know? Like something hundreds- like that, yeah hundreds of millions of people on on tiktok how the fuck are you going to get any attention for your art or your music if you are fucking as boring as watching paint dry and you're just mr fucking vanilla like just sorry but like nobody cares and honestly honestly if you're a truly great artist like if you are a truly like you have something to fucking say, you have a unique vision on the world and music and you have a crazy sound and you're a crazy producer, whatever it is, like you're doing something truly like crazy and unique with your art. Like you can't not be like, like that. Like the greatest artists don't even have to try to be that way. And in fact, they, they don't have a choice. They can't be anything other than that. Even if it's hurting them. Yeah. They're just fucking crazy, you know? And like, that's what the way they are. They're just fucking mad. Like anybody, like name any great artist throughout all of history, all of history. This is true for like entrepreneurs, like founders too. Like they're crazy, just like, like exceptional people. Like this is where you were talking about being special or different. Like exceptional people are not fucking normal. You know, I've, I've been around a lot of them in my life. And that is the one common thing throughout all of them is they're not fucking normal. Not at all. And that's something I've realized about fame in general and just like seeing people comment and like seeing people comment about me and just like talk about me and stuff is like i've really realized like the why people get famous quote unquote is just because they're they just are so different than everybody else that they just can't not be like like they just draw that attention because like you're walking through a crowd right and there's like you know a bunch of quote unquote normal people or whatever And then there's like a famous, like Post Malone or some shit like that. Like he walks through the crowd and you're like, your your eyes just, you couldn't not see. They're like a magnet. 
Yeah, you couldn't not see that guy walking yep. through a crowd. He's just different than everybody else. He just looks different. He acts different. He just is a different type of person. The same way if a fucking alien came down and and invaded Earth, literally the whole world would look at him. The alien would become the most famous thing on planet Earth in one day. Like, dude, it's a fucking alien. Yeah, the only reason is because he's different than everybody else. That's it. If he was just a human, wouldn't be like that. So it's just like, it's just like, that's something I really realized about fame or just artists is just like, it's just that when you stand out like that, people just like, can't help but like talk about you, I guess, or something. Mm -hmm. If you are different like that, whether that's, whether that's what, what, like, whether that's cause you're just like a really hot girl or like, you're just so attractive or you're just so weird looking or you have crazy tattoos or you have a really crazy fashion sense, or you're really like really charismatic and loud and, or you have really crazy music or whatever it is, like whatever it is, if you're a famous person, you are just, you're different than everybody else on some level, you know? And for most people, most musicians, usually if they want to make it, it requires being famous. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Yep. Well, there's a difference between being a musician and being a, a star or a performer. Like the person who plays bass for Usher is probably a fucking incredible musician. And that person probably also couldn't sell five tickets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't mean that as a, I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's just that person is a world-class God tier musician, but probably not a very good like entertainer or he would be usher. And oftentimes they probably wanted it that way. You know what I mean? But like, they just don't have what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe that's, I don't have what it takes. Maybe that's why they wanted it. I don't know. But like there's, there's all kinds of like those traveling musicians, uh, session players, uh, even like, honestly, even like a lot of like producers and shit, yep. like, you know, hip hop producers or whatever, like they just kind of want to be the, they want to be the, the secret genius, you know, kind of thing, uh, which is totally cool. And like, it's its own level of, you know, coolness about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, there are just some people and some things where I just like, I've just always known that I would never be satisfied with life unless I got at least some level of like rock stardom. Sure. I just know myself and like, I just, I think it's cause I know I can or, and I believe I can. So like, just because I believe I can, I have to prove it to myself or something. And like, I couldn't just be okay with just like, I could just like be a producer or whatever. And I love producing and stuff, but like, and I've, and I, and I had years where I debated it. But why stop there if you don't have to? Yeah. I mean, I had years, I had years when I debated it because nothing was happening like with my music, you know, just yeah. cause it wasn't good. I just sucked. Like it just, it wasn't good enough yet. And like, I was just still learning and I still am learning. I'm always learning. But I had moments where I debated, maybe I'll just be a songwriter. Maybe I'll just be a producer. Like, I know I'm going to do music, but like, maybe I'll just be that. And then this year and especially everything that's happened has really just made me go, you know what the fuck? Like, I've always believed I could. My parents were always super supportive. And like, I had a good upbringing. They told me I could like do anything and I fucking believe it. So I need to go like, prove them right and i need to go prove myself right and just sh fucking show myself and show everybody that you can fucking achieve like what you want to achieve as cheesy or like cliche as it sounds like well you have to believe that that's true i mean it's just like with athletes you have to believe that you're the best in the world you know 
or you've lost before you even started the game. Yeah. You think LeBron doesn't think he's the GOAT? Of course he fucking thinks he's the GOAT. It's like not even that I think I'm the GOAT because obviously I'm not the GOAT yet, but like I think I will be the GOAT. Yeah, there has to be at least an element of you that believes that it's possible or you've lost before you even started. And that's that's a big thing that I like people misinterpret this when I talk about it. They think that I'm doing some boomer like pull yourself up by your bootstraps thing. It's not that at all. What I'm saying is like just that you have to believe that it is possible or what's the like what's the point? You know, there's so many people that fixate so much on the obstacles which are real. Like I'm not discounting the obstacles that anyone faces and I'm not telling everyone stop making excuses you snowflake. I'm just saying like you have to believe that no matter what obstacles are there that there's a way for you to get through those or over those around those whatever and and make it happen completely and like just these past like three months it's like i mean i've been doing it for 10 years and i've had plenty of obstacles plenty of personal bullshit plenty of health bullshit plenty of music industry bullshit i've had all kinds of fun like everybody does like sure. it's just it's impossible not to there's always going to be something always going to be some level of obstacles and you just have to i don't know it's like it is like kind of that boomer thing where you're just like, you just have to do it. You literally just have to believe it. Like, I don't know. It's the, I don't even know how to explain how to believe it. Like you right. just have to believe it. I don't know how. That's something I've struggled with. I don't really think I believed in myself until about four or five years ago. And once I flipped that switch, I was like, oh God, well, no wonder all the things I wanted to do didn't work out. Cause the whole time I didn't really believe that I could do it you know, that just sort of subconsciously influences you to, I don't know if self-sabotage is the word necessarily, but like, I don't know. Did you ever skateboard? I mean, I'm not going to lie and say that I fucking skateboarded, but I do. And I was really into riding my fucking penny board around like those little. Okay. I was never a good skateboarder. And the reason why is because when you're doing a trick on a skateboard, if you don't commit, you're not going to make the trick. You have to commit to potentially getting fucked up or else halfway through, you're going to bail and not make it. And I would never commit to the tricks. And so it's like, that's why I would never land the trick. Yeah. And I realized the same thing was happening to me with, you know, with, with the things I wanted to do professionally, I wasn't really committing. I wasn't really like saying, yeah, this might crash and burn and that might suck. And I'm willing to take that risk. Yeah. That's a, that's an incredible way of putting it. That that's like hundred percent, the right metaphor for that, which is like, and for me, it was just like, my parents always told me, like, there's no plan B. There's no plan B, Jairus. Like, and I'm like, yeah, there's no fucking plan B. I literally don't have a backup plan. I don't. A, and that's not to encourage everybody to, like, never have a backup sure. plan. You can do whatever the fuck you want. If you want to have a backup plan, have a fucking backup plan. But for me, I just, I just needed to go, like, I know this is all I want out of life. Like, this is it. And so I'm just going to do it. And I don't care if it kills me, <laughs> like yep. just like is going to happen. And that, and I still feel that way now. It's just like, okay, I had to like, before it was like, okay, I need to like get a, get a following and like get signed and like start making some money and like whatever, like all this shit. And now that I'm here, I'm like, okay, now I need to like become a fucking legend and yep. win a and have a number one and like all these like, you know, quote unquote, whatever goal, like music goals or whatever. You have to have a hill to climb though. Yeah. You have to have a fucking hill to climb. And right now my hill to climb is fucking 
taking rock out of the fucking old man era <laughs> stuck in the mud and bringing it to the fucking 2020s with a vengeance and making it the coolest fucking shit that anybody's ever heard. And like, I want it to be as cool as like SoundCloud rap was like three or four years ago. You know, like I want fucking 16 year olds to be like, yeah, you know, like I want it sure. to be like the hottest fucking thing. And the only way we're going to do that is if it fucking sounds new and it ain't going to sound new. if We just keep dinking around on some old man shit. <laughs> and by the way, I should say your old band was very fucking good. I mean, it was, it was kids and, you know, it was like, you know, not necessarily the best thing of all time, but for <laughs> yeah. kids, it's really yeah. fucking good. And I couldn't tell you played drums. I couldn't tell. I couldn't recognize you. You're a good fucking drummer. Thank you. I thought I was going to be like a drummer for like a lot of my life. You know, like I was like, I just picked it up so easily and I became incredibly good at it really fast. Like I was 15 in that song, in that video. And it, and it sounds, uh, it sounds like you were a big fan of the Rev. I was totally a big fan. Dude, I was a huge fucking Avenged Sevenfold was like, okay. So my like band, like the, the first artists I ever got like diehard about was like Slipknot was the first one where I was like, so, so obsessed with Slipknot. Great drummer with a very cool style, kind of like the Rev, that sort of like tight but sloppy. Yeah, and then and then Avenged Sevenfold was like the second, like a very close second to that. And like um, the Rev, you know, the Rev, you remember when the Rev died? Yeah. Like I was like, oh, just devastated. And then um, I saw them live, like right after the Rev died, like, like the like the first tour or whatever they were doing like from the nightmare album was 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 mike portnoy playing on that one yes mike portnoy was playing and the, actually funny enough the first concert i ever went to was a dream theater concert oh, where man. where mike portnoy was playing my dad took me to a dream theater concert so my so, point in saying all this is for anybody <laughs> listening who's like oh these you know these new rap guys they can't play instruments you can play instruments better than probably 99% of people in real bands from what I have seen on your TikToks. Thank you. Taught myself to play drums. And then soon after that, when we were in the band, I was teaching myself how to play guitar. And I wrote a good majority of like our songs too, like on guitar. It was basically me and this other guy, which is kind of writing all of them. And I'd write a lot of the riffs on guitar and stuff. And yeah, I mean, like people get really caught up in just the first, like obviously just like the very first impression is just damn. Yeah. Like obviously- know that i can like shred on anything or whatever like of course you're not but like as time goes on i will reveal yeah like these about myself like more and more but it, it is important to achieve your mission even though personally i don't give a fuck you know what you use to make the sounds and the song it could be dropping a fucking hungry man dinner on the floor i don't give a shit um <laughs> personally but rock fans do care about that. You know, it's the same way as everyone. They all started liking Post Malone when they found out he plays guitar, you know, and like yeah. he used to be in a shitty metalcore band. And now all of a sudden they think he's great. Yeah, which is fine. Like play, playing musical instruments is is amazing. And obviously I've done it. Like obviously I've dedicated huge chunks of my life to learning how to play them. But at the same time, people don't realize the computer is a fucking instrument, dude. Absolutely. It's like the most complicated, like Ableton is the most fucking versatile instrument that has ever been made. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And like, and it takes, it's taken me, I've been really solidly like trying to teach myself how to produce for like three or four years. And I'm just now, and that's coming from a background where I was already like, I would say a professional at music, like playing yeah. guitar, 
playing like playing drums, like singing, songwriting. Like I was kind of a pro, but like it's taken me three, four years to be able to like to be able to even it's taken four years for my skills of producing to catch up to the music I always knew I wanted to make. Right. So all these, all these TikToks that you do, are those all like beats that you made? That's all self-produced? Yeah, that's all shit I'm just doing in my room. So a thing that I like to talk about with people um, is being prolific and, and how valuable and important it is, especially with songwriting, to just make a lot of shit. For every TikTok that you put out, which I would call those like, you know, those to me are like sketches. It seems like most of the time it's not a whole song. For every one of those sketches that you put out on TikTok, how many would you say that you make that don't ever see the light of day? Well, as far as TikToks go? Or just like song ideas in general. I guess I just want to get a sense of like, for every one of these ideas that you release into the wild, how many sort of things do you make that never come out? I mean, I have hundreds, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, literally I have hundreds. I mean, like TikToks, I've actually, since this is all like for the past three months, I've never sat down to make a TikTok and like not put it up. You know, like I, uh -huh. I've gotten it every time, you know, sometimes it like takes a second to figure out like yeah. exactly maybe, but once I figure it out, I can, it always like turns out. Because you have exercised that muscle of songwriting for so long. Totally. And song ideas, I, yeah, I have hundreds of demos, scratch demos, beat ideas that I've, you know, gotten halfway through and kind of been like this is just kind of trash or like or maybe even songs i've done i've had plenty of songs i've literally completely finished and then just kind of realized like this isn't really quite like me or something you know yeah. it's just not bad it's not clicking so like it is super important to like it's just like you have to practice you know if you're gonna get good at guitar you're not gonna get good at guitar by, by thinking about it <laughs> yeah or whatever like watching a youtube video like yeah you have to sit there on your fucking computer and you gotta fucking make beats man yeah like correct you gotta experiment and go crazy and like you know just everything like you just have to treat it like a playground and like an instrument itself and it totally is it's the most diverse complicated crazy instrument there is and a lot of what these old ass fucking geezers don't understand is that like this is the hardest instrument this is way harder to play than fucking guitar because it's like a blank sheet of paper. You can do literally anything. Literally anything. And also you're playing every, like you're playing, you have to understand drums. You yeah. have to understand groove. You have to understand like melodies and chord. Like you have to understand everything. You sort of have to be able to play everything in order to play that computer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of one of those, it's a, it's a, shitty fucking argument or just a stupid point by yeah. all these old heads that are like stuck in the mud that just like hating on like whatever, like just new era music. Cause it's just like, well, I mean, it, that's like when people, like when the guitar got first invented, it's like somebody hating on that right. or something. It's like, it's, it's just stupid. It's like someone who grew up fly flying a biplane, like looking at a 747 and be like, Oh, I should get a real plane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it is, it's just not what you're used to, you know, yeah. or it's new. like, and honestly, that's like, that's also the thing that rock hasn't done correctly in the past, like whatever. They haven't made old people hate it. Exactly. Old people, old people like rock too much. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? Like, you know what I mean? That's why I, I, I think of like SoundCloud rap and like all this crazy, like, you know, when all the, when X and fucking Lil Pump and all these people are like making these huge fucking bangers with these yep. blue now 808s yep. and like screaming and stuff i was like dude this is rock 
Like, yep. this is the shit because I guarantee you, I play a Metallica song around my mom and she's like, yes. Uh, but if I play this fucking, if I play D Rose by Lil right. Pump and I fucking blast it, she's gonna hate that. She's gonna be like, ah, oh. like literally, she'll be disgusted. She'll be, and that's what rock is. Elvis was disgusting. He was the devil's music. He was, t- it's like whatever, that's the energy of rock to me is those boundary pushing. It's that like getting your fucking parents to hate it. Yep. So like hip hop has dominated that space, you know, and just made like, they've just kind of been the thing that's like been cool, you know, cause parents hate it. Old people fucking hate it. Rock. What I'm going to do to fucking rock is make 40 year olds shit their pants. I just realized this. I've been trying to think about this for years and really put my finger on this. I don't like music with small peepee energy. <laughs> I like big peepee energy. And that's really what you're talking about here. Yeah, dude. I'm talking about some ginormous peepee energy. <laughs> well, I have one last question for you or line of questions, because one of the issues that I have with rock or, or at least the version of rock now is I feel like they almost don't care that much about vocals or lyrics or, or vocal melodies. Like it, it feels like they just think about riffs and nobody cares about the, the vocals or the top line. And that's very bizarre to me. And that's obviously something you're extremely good at. Can you talk about that a little bit and kind of how you think about lyrics and vocal melodies and that sort of thing? So when I was listening to metal and shit growing up, you know, I was listening and when it was cool, I was listening to shit with like, you know, Slipknot had great choruses, yep. you know, and Avenged Sevenfold had great, all kinds of crazy melodies and like all this kind of shit. And so like, I, I did grow up with that. And then, and then like transitioning to later and like kind of being, kind of being inspired by like rap, like SoundCloud rap and like all this newer shit that like has this big peepee energy, so-called is that, you know, it, it sort of came down to like, that there wasn't a lot of, like the vocal was what was carrying a lot of the energy. I mean, obviously it's like the bass and shit, but but there's no like, it was very simple, like the track wise, you know, yep. it wasn't riffs, it wasn't really chord progressions. It's like, it might even just be like one note on the fucking 808, just, yep. just a fucking huge thing. And then it's the energy of the vocal that is really carrying the excitement of the track. And I've kind of just always thought about this like, you know, how to blend those two worlds of like super exciting vocals with, you know, like simple beats and like rock and just how to blend all this stuff. And like, I guess just for me, like melody is something that's always, that's like my, my, by far my strongest like trait of music is like melodies, just Mm -hmm. like come little melodies i can write like hooks or like little riffs or little catch lines or whatever in like two seconds to anything all the time like Like the alphabet like the alphabet literally like i can just like for whatever reason that's just like what my brain understands like gravitates to really quickly so i would be stupid to not utilize that and you know i just think it's like it's just what I like to hear. It's what I'm good at hearing. It's what I like to hear. And it's, I guess, no more complicated than that. Like, you know, it's just like, I love good, catchy shit, good, catchy choruses, good, catchy riffs or licks or lines, or even if it's like an instrumental thing, like in the beat or whatever, like it's a catchy melodic line or a catchy mm-hmm. sample or something, you know, it's like, there's a million different ways you can have a hook in something, but I feel like it's a lost art in rock because yeah. obviously, like when's the last time you heard a huge like number one like billboard rock song like 
but be it like a, like I, I literally can't even think of like, what's the last billboard number one, like on the, all, all of the charts. Like that was like a rock song. I mean, I, I guess MGK's album went to number one. I don't know if he did. I don't know if he had a single that went to number one, but yeah. Okay. But you know, MGK is great and all and no shade, no shade on MGK, but like all that shit sounds like it came out 10 years ago. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, that's cool. But to me, it just like, I, I, I just want to yawn when I listen to it. Like, I just like, okay, cool. It sounds like it came out 10 years ago and that's cool. It's like, you're bringing back this like thing yeah. and like, obviously liking it, but like, it just doesn't sound like the future to me. Yeah. It just sounds like the past. And like, you know, I think it's just a play on nostalgia rather than like pushing something forward. And so, like I said, no, no shade on MGK. Sure. That's the thing that gets me going is I want to hear something I haven't heard before. Something new. Like, I don't, you know, it, it. I don't think that being new original has inherent value necessarily. But, you know, if there's nothing new there, again, it's like, I don't know. I just can't really respect it artistically. I can recognize that it might be doing well commercially. And if the creator is enjoying it, that's great. But for me personally, if there isn't something new there that makes me go, oh, damn, I never thought about that. Yeah. That's what I want. Like the first time I heard, you know, like a lot of this like melodic rap kind of stuff that's happening now that like, mum like, uh, I don't know, like, like little baby, like he's so fucking mumbly. I'm just like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Like that sounds super bizarre it's like almost like water or something this is cool you know yeah I, my entire spotify now you will never find a song that's just like singing and playing piano like ever it's just like in order for me to to like be interested in something it literally has to be some kind of like i just i haven't heard like something like this it just has to be breaking some kind of boundary because so music in 2030 that shit is going to sound way fucking different than music sounds now. Are you going to be a part of, are you going to have an impact? Are you going to be a founding father of like a whole new generation? Are you going to have like a splash? Are you going to be remembered at the end of that decade for ushering in a, a new thing? Are you going to be like a, a pioneer or are you just going to fade into fucking nothing? Are you just going to get lost in the sauce and just have a band and whatever. Some people are totally fine with, being an artist that just like has a solid fan base and they make what they want to make. And every artist is completely entitled to doing whatever the fuck they want to do. hundred percent for me. I am so fascinated by the idea of like what music might sound like 20 years from now. Cause I just think of like, if I could play a song, like a SoundCloud rap song in the 1980s for people, sure. we would barely even recognize it as music. Would they even understand it? <laughs> Like they would literally, every sound is completely foreign to them. Yeah. Every sound, it literally would sound like an alien made it or something. So to me, I'm like, holy shit, is that what music is going to sound like in 2040? <laughs> like, what the fuck is that going to sound like? Whole new genres and waves are going to happen like over the next 20 years. And I am so excited about the idea of like, I can create that. I can like be there for that. I can help do that that is just so exciting and if i could get in the time machine and go listen to what music sounds like in 2040 i would do it in a fucking heartbeat because i'm endlessly fascinated with like what music could fucking sound like in the future and just if it would even be recognizable to me excellent well uh i am on board with you if you got tickets to that time machine i will take one 
And that sounds like a good uh, place to end this. Anything you'd like to add or plug or, you know, any words of wisdom you want to leave uh, the kids with? Just to get the business out of the way, follow me on Instagram at Jairus Johnson, right? J-E-R-I-S Johnson. On TikTok, Jairus Johnson. YouTube, Jairus Johnson. Everything's just Jairus Johnson. Go, go give me a follow and everything there and keep up with the future, baby. Because it's fucking happening. You know, I would just want to say thank you for having me. Your YouTube videos have been coming up on my recommended for like six months. And I watched and I watched like three of them, like over the course of those six months. And then when you tweeted at me, I was like, I know this guy from somewhere. I need to go like catch up. So I went and binge watch them all. I love your work. You're amazing. Thank you for having me on this podcast. It's an honor. And I would just say like, if you want to go fucking change the world, go fucking do it. If you want to go make the future, go do it and make sure you use fucking TikTok because that's just the world that we live in now. So figure out a way, use technology to your advantage. It's a new, it's a new era. It's the roaring twenties, baby. You know, let's fucking, let's bring rock into the future and let's, let's get back to terrifying some fucking grandmas again. All right. There we have it. Thank you. All right. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.